We're back with less tech, more neck. I'm with Jackie tonight, a long-term friend and a personal training client that we will be interviewing. Less tech, more neck. Mm, y'all hear what I say? Less tech, more neck. For your mother and your brother, we gonna hear from Eric and Devante. It's strange times and these are strange days and it's strange people living strange ways. So expect less tech, more neck. Hey, Jackie, how you doing, man? Pretty good. How about you? Yeah, I'm doing good, man. Thanks for joining us today. Eric, do you want to introduce your friend? Sure. Well, I mean, he can introduce himself, but I would... Nah, I mean, obviously, I know... I've known Jackie for about a, a year and a half now. We've gotten really close. Why don't you tell the listeners how old are you and uh, what you do for work? Uh, obviously, where you live. Yeah. Um, uh, so, my name's Jackie. Been here in Fort Collins for about five years. About 30 years old. And... Uh, Let's see. Work has been a weird one for me, but re- most recently I've been a lead for a QA department at a software company in Seattle. And uh, it's been good. Before that, though, I uh, worked at a ghost hotel and before that, managed a coffee shop. So my life has taken me all over the place. But yeah. how long have you lived in Fort Collins? About five or so years, on and off, though. About, we're looking like eight to 10 at least. Okay. And did you go to the school up here? Yeah, went to CSU, mostly to get a major in uh, computer science and a minor in mathematics, but huh, not too bad. Where are you from originally? Originally, I was born in Katy, Texas, but uh, my life actually uh, afforded me uh, a little bit more uh, Yeah, uh, earlier on. Um, uh, my dad was in the oil industry. He was a petroleum engineer, so we never stuck around in the States for too long. My mm-hmm. sister was born in Montana. Then we kicked it all the way over to Southeast Asia for the next whoa fifteen years or something like Jesus. that. Yeah, no, I've lived half my life uh, outside of the United States. So you speak multiple languages? I wish. No uh, fucking way. No, I know it's it's a completely wasted opportunity, but quite literally, uh, no Thai, no Malay, and no Bahasa at all. I still know a little bit of Bahasa, like Satu Dua Riba, uh, Inam Impat, and like Terus to go straight. Was that literally one through five? One through five. That literally was <laughs> one through five. <laughs> yeah. You know what the great thing is? Uh, the only phrase you really need to know, especially if you're heading up the bars in Indonesia, is satu lagi, which means one more place. <laughs> That's about it. So how do you even order what to drink? Order what to drink? Uh, really, uh, if you're going over there, especially if you're a traveler, uh, I'm just going to say like bintong. That's all you really need. That's the cheapest beer that you can get over there. And it's really good for traveling on a big thong. Bin thong, big thong. But honestly, you know, like you have a couple, you'll you'll probably start saying big thong after a while. <laughs> I'm gonna say big thong big already. Thong. So when did you? So when did you move over here to the states? Then from Southeast Asia. From Southeast Asia. So yeah. I was about 18 years old when I graduated high school over there. I'd been accepted into uh, a couple of different colleges. Uh, CSU, though, definitely stood out to me as Mm -hmm. the grandest, not for any particular academic accolades, more just because since I lived next to the ocean, literally for the entirety of my life and within cities, like this was a small mountain town right next to the Rockies right Mm -hmm. there. And I'd never seen mountains in my life. And my uh, grandpa lived down in Durango at the time. So I said, I'm going to CSU. So just shipped on over. Yeah, just kind of spent my time here in Fort Collins for the first four or five years, I think. Yeah, about four to five. 
So do your parents still live in Southeast Asia? No, 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 no. Uh, Indonesia was actually one of the last bits of travel that they did. Mm. Dad, I believe, only got another job in a little island called East Timor. It's an offshoot island right off of Indonesia. They had a giant, they had a massive conflict uh, with them. They were trying to declare independence from Indonesia. Indonesia didn't like that. Napalmed half the country. Indonesia still technically owns half the country, and the other half is for the Timorians. There, he went there, trained up a lot of people basically to do his job as petroleum engineers. Coolest guy I got to meet over there, though, uh, was definitely, God, it was my dad's. One of the guys just right under him, he was training. He was the son of the revolutionary that had actually uh, was the figurehead who led the revolution against Indonesia. Mm. And that guy has a dark past, dear God. Uh, his father was, oh yeah, Indonesian loyalists surrounded like the Capitol building that they had there, uh, shot him to death. And then as his mother was trying to get away on a boat, and he was, they, she was basically able to hand him off to his aunt and uncle, just as a kid, like as they were trailing, or as they, as they were leaving on the boat, apparently guys just ran up right from behind her, slit her neck, made sure that there were no more revolutionaries or no Whoa. more figureheads to actually gather around right there. You just gave me a whole movie. Yeah, no, no, seriously. I, I wouldn't be shocked if they eventually did make some kind of movie out That's of that. the intro to a movie right there. Boom, and there goes the scenes. <laughs> I don't think child grows up. Yeah. Of course, they've got to get revenge. Yada, yada, yeah. yada. Turns out that the guy's incredibly well-adjusted. He actually went to school at Colorado uh, School of Mines here for that whole petroleum engineering gig. So literally did that, went back to Timor, and was like, I'm going to invest back in my home country. Mm-hmm. And yeah, no, coolest, one of the coolest guys I got to meet. One of the coolest guys. Yeah. Wow, Jack Reacher. Yeah, very much. <laughs> very much so. So what did your mom do? Mom, uh, she was a homemaker. She always had dreams of being uh, an airline pilot, or not an airline pilot, airline stewardess. Mm. But she had met my dad, I believe. Uh, it's not Tucson. It's not Reno. I'm blanking exactly <laughs> two different areas <laughs> i know <laughs> somewhere, in the, somewhere in the states Arizona. somewhere in the somewhere yeah mid middle of the united states somewhere right there you there. go definitely yeah <laughs> she was having a great time though but yeah either way met there basically they got together eventually had me right off the bat and then uh, so, so they met what late 80s early ni- early 90s then probably right early 90s Because you were born in 90 90- i was born in 92 92 yeah, yeah. I don't know exactly what year they would have met. I think my mom was around roughly 27, 28, somewhere oh, around mm-hmm. there. Got hitched roughly around early 30s, had me at 32, had my sister at 35. Okay. Yes. So that's pretty That's pretty late for the early 90s, isn't it? Mm, no, because that's my parents. They right. had me at, my mom was 31, and I think when she had 31 or 32 when she had me, and that was 1990. So that How was with your dad. He's, a, he's two years older than my mom, so 33. Oh, interesting. Yeah, when they had me. Okay. Literally my age yeah. when they had me. So, yeah, my mom was 25. And my dad was 33, mm-hmm. I believe. 34, 33. Okay. I think. I could be completely fucking wrong. Yeah. And I, I mean, by that <laughs> time, I think, yeah, by the 90s, it was really mixed bag. People were really pushing off childbirth till later, for sure, mm. by the 80s and 90s. Yeah. Um, what did you? What was your first job after college? Oh, God. <laughs> So funny thing is that first job after college was being a barista at a coffee shop. It's the same one I still go to just about every single day. And that's uh, Alley Cat Coffee Shop. Oh, yeah, Alley Cat. Yeah, it's not a bad place. It's definitely got a stronger community and it's a bit weirder of a vibe than most other coffee shops here in town. But yeah, just 
was a barista there for about a solid year. And that, that, that was a trip mostly because getting out of college, I think I was probably at the height of my depression and getting out and going immediately into a workforce where you're paying, being paid minimum wage Mm -hmm. certainly is not good on the mental health at all. Um, and after a while, uh, my parents offered, you know, they said, Hey, you're having a rough time. Do you want to move back home? And I took them up on that offer and stayed for three, four years, I think. Dang. What did you, what did you do for work? Where were they living at the time? What did I do for work? Yeah. So when you moved and back home after college, well, we'll just say after the year at Alley Cat, yeah, yeah, what did you, uh, where did you live? Where did, what did you do for work? So what I did primarily was that because my parents were still overseas, mm-hmm. um, they had a house out in Katy, Texas, okay. uh, and they couldn't take care of it particularly well. Um, I mean, they were just out of the house Never quite there, a bit. Yeah. So I was basically there, um, just trying to help out, trying to do as much as I could. I wouldn't say I was like a full on property manager or anything <laughs> like that, because that entails a lot more like qualifications as well as responsibilities. But mostly I just kind of lived into that or lived in the house and, uh, just kind of kept the yard as well as I could did any repair, like to the fences that were kind of falling down here and there, even did a little bit of electrical work here and there, slight plumbing, mostly though, a lot of landscaping stuff just to make the house look pretty and kind of keep up property value for, uh, the, what is it? HOA homeowners. Yeah. Mm. Homeowners association. But yeah, did that literally for the longest time and like because my days were pretty free, uh, mostly because my parents just would help me out and just kind of cushion me with the kind of money that they'd have. Mm-hmm. Quite literally, I uh, just did that during the days. And then at night, I'd uh, play video games and uh, just did that for literally three or so years. Yeah, that's about it. Did you apply for any computer science jobs? I mean, there's this booming at that time. Because this, what, when did you graduate college? It was right after me. It's probably what, 2014, 2015? 2014, yeah. yeah. You say booming, but here's the funny thing. What, um, what is it? I graduated at 3.2. Not the best, not the worst. And you think booming, still with a 3.2, you yeah. get something. Uh-huh. I put in over 500 applications. Holy mm-hmm. shit. I got yeah. seven callbacks, and only ever did I get three interviews. Because there was a lot of people getting computer science degrees at that time. So in hyper-competitive. So it was like 4.0 plus all these extracurriculars plus mm-hmm. probably being in the industry in some way. Yeah. In fact, but, uh, I uh, some like uh, like a booming market is great sometimes, but at the same time, it'll bite you in the ass in other ways. Mm-hmm. Like you have to make sure to curate exactly how you present to those employers. Otherwise, you're SOL um, and you have to be... You have to be very much cream of the crop if it is a booming market. Otherwise, really what starts to happen is, um, I mean, hell, I've even done hiring in some ways in the past as well now. And um, it is too much effort to sit through uh, thousands of applications. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, filter through, figure out like, hey, we at least want A, B, and C met. Uh, you have to be above this kind of basically watermark in order to be in our company. That's really kind of the first step that you have to have in a booming market right there before you really do get anything, at least in my experience right there. And then afterwards, if you fit company culture, then you're a shoe in Otherwise, if you don't, you're still booted to the curve right there. Okay. Um, so yeah, that's, that's really what I did. I kept applying for jobs while in Texas. Every day as well, gave up on that after 570 some, 
I remember the folders I would keep in Google Drive and they all just sat there. Cover letters, uh, resumes, everything, you name it. It was the most disheartening experience I've had with the job market ever. <laughs> so was this during you working at Alley Cat, you were applying for all these jobs? Yeah, a little bit more sparingly. I definitely mm-hmm. had a lot more time in Texas mm-hmm. to apply to jobs. But in Alley Cat, I think I marked up to close to 80 to 100 before I actually moved out to Texas right there. And then I ramped it up. But eventually I was like, you know what? 500 in, you, I got to know what to call it quits right there. So maybe this is, I don't want to be too early on getting on some type of deep conversation. Yeah, yeah. But you mentioned you were in depression, probably in your deepest depression when you were working at Alley Cat, right? Yeah, no. So that is something uh, I've been kind of dealing with uh, about funny. It's kind of a funny thing. I kind of tried to do a a recollection on like when it started, Mm -hmm. because depression has this magical thing where it makes you forget a lot of things. Um, So I kind of went back through the photographs, tried to figure out exactly where it started. It's about when I was five years old, uh, mostly because we had moved away from the States, away from all our family, away from everybody else, a place where I was very much the odd one out a lot of the time, mostly because in an international school, though mostly white predominated, you've got people from Europe, you've got people from Korea, you've got people from the Middle East, you've got people literally coming from every walk of life coming in and nobody... You, you develop one of two mindsets. And as a kid, I developed one particular mindset. And it's either, this isn't going to last long, so I got to learn as much about the other people that are around me as possible. That way I have a good time before moving on. Or, what's the fucking point? I'm mm-hmm. going to be moving anyways. There's no point in getting to know people. Mm-hmm. And I kind of found the latter half right there. Yeah, just kind of that. And overall, a little bit of a rough... My mom and dad weren't... weren't uh, having the greatest time when we first moved to Thailand, all that kind of compounding. Uh, I just kind of didn't know how to handle it as a kid. So I just started to slowly seep into depression all the way up through college, all the way up till around 27 is when I really started to notice change in is that, my, is that when you moved back up to four Collins? No. Is that why or, or wait, no, not 27. It would have been 25 is when I really noticed it. Yeah, no, because that was literally two years before I left. Left Texas? Yes. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Left Texas. So you're, okay. So you moved back up when you were 27 to Fort Collins? 20, yes. Moved up back when I was 27. But you noticed it two, basically a year into being in Texas. Because I was probably, I mean, you lived in that house by yourself, right? Yeah. A lot of it uh, by myself. My mom would come back every once in a while. We would just kind of be around each other during that time. Okay. But yeah, mostly just entirely by myself. That was the worst it ever got because Alley Cat was pretty bad. <laughs> Essentially, getting directly into the house, though, getting into that house, it was a, it was a beautiful, it was a beautiful, beautiful house. They bought a, they bought a bit of property which had a nature reserve right behind it, and the neighbors were the really the only two people you could see on either side of you. You never mm-hmm. really had to walk out the front door except to get the groceries. So I'd spend that time entirely alone within the house, and I think I entered my deepest depression. For about six months. There was about a six month period where I was quite literally getting out of bed, going to grab what small bits of like just a loaf of bread, like a couple of slices just to make sure my stomach was good. Then I'd fall back to sleep and then I'd do that day in, day out at odd and random times, be up at 3 a.m., be up at 5, you know, stay up all throughout the night sometimes, 
you know, not even wake up for a day, sometimes even, to the point where it got so bad I even developed bed sores on my back. Yeah, yeah no, that was that was definitely the one where it was like, Jesus, my body feels like absolute garbage right now. Um, yeah, that is that is truly when the deepest part of my my depression was. So it, it stems from your childhood of you just being like, I'm not going to get to know these people because there's absolutely no point. So you became more internal with everything, right? You you kind of just stuck to yourself. You didn't really go out and try to meet anybody. Yeah, that's the thing is that um, really the only people you could meet are the people at school mm-hmm. because I, and this is what made me so envious about people who grew up in the States is that for everybody growing up in the States, I, I saw it on TV and I got to see it when I actually went back to go visit my extended family in Ohio. The idea that you could walk out of your house and go down the street and just visit a friend, like blew my mind. It absolutely like blew me away because over in Southeast Asia, the sex traffic trade is so prevalent and getting kidnapped is not a particularly rare instance. I mean, hollowed out taxi cabs where you get in and you can't get out. Mm-hmm. Um, th- those were some of the lectures we would get at our schools and be like, hey, always check that before you get in right there. Yeah. yeah. To be fair, like, to be fair, like, what was it? There's a statistic of like five students just straight up disappearing a year. So they thought it was prevalent enough to just kind of bring somebody in and talk to us about that. The idea, though, that you could just walk out of your house and just go anywhere, that was absolutely nuts, especially to, like, connect with other people, to be friends. Like, yeah, no. So I had to keep internal. Mm-hmm. Um, it was either go home, be with the family, be by myself, or when I'm at school, try to be with some people. But mm-hmm. even then, it in the next four years, dad's going to get another position somewhere else because our visa is going to expire in this country. So we, by law, actually have to leave the country. So what the hell is the point if I'm only going to spend four years here? And that's kind of the more internal, yeah, kind of the more internals of it right there. Did that kind of... Yeah, I mean, yeah, I kind of... (laughs) That's what I was just kind of asking you, is if that's exactly what it was. So in a sense, you kind of grew up, you forced yourself to be a loner in a way, right? Yeah. It never went, it never like really went through your mind that you were like, oh, I got four years to make a friend and we could be friends some years later on. Right. So it never, did that thought ever occur to you or were you just so down that you were just like, there's, why would I make a friend now when I'm not going to be able to have them four years after this? Or maybe we'll never be in touch again. Yeah. And here's, well, here's the thing is that it, it feels very much like that mentality of, you know, like only four years, why even make friends mm-hmm. is kind of right in a way. However, I have the sneaking suspicion that it's very much a self-fulfilling prophecy kind of deal. And that is like ever since I've left like the international like space right there, I've kept up with none of my friends and none of my friends have kept up with me to where like the last I've heard the closest friends that I had I mean, I had a friend named Katarina. She's doing graphic design out in Seattle, possibly, mm-hmm. even still. She's probably gone from that. Sarah's probably still with her husband out in New York. And Mikhail is um, still at an astronomy lab in the Netherlands somewhere. But that's information I learned 10 years ago. Mm-hmm. So quite literally, like, I 
I have no idea where the hell they are or what, what they're doing at this point. Um, so in that way, it's kind of like a weird, very kind of uh, like a sad, it's like a sad confirmation where you're like, oh, well, there you go. You weren't friends with them in four years. But I feel at the same time, it was definitely kind of like this mentality that brought that around where if I decided to do the whole thing with essentially, you know, four years, make a friend, try to stay in contact with them. And, you know, if it doesn't pan out, it doesn't pan out. That's okay. But you made a friend and that's good enough. I feel like I would actually have maybe a couple more friends due to that, but that's kind of a, you know, if scenario right there. So say la vie, it's just kind of how it is now. But, yeah. Yeah. But, and how isolating, isolated were you in Texas then too? So then you went to CSU mm -hmm. where you probably made friends and Alley Cat, you made a lot of connections through that, obviously. Mm -hmm. Then you moved to Katy, Texas, where it sounds like you just played a lot of video games. Like how many hours of video games would you say oh, you were playing? No, be real in that three years. <laughs> I was like, you didn't ask this. That's <laughs> a, it's a real question. No, this hey, is, like, uh, this is a real response though. Yeah, no, 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 no. I, uh, not, not, not a bad, it's just, this is, you know, it's very interesting. No, no, I feel you. I feel you. Uh, I'm going to be honest. My, uh, my game of choice was World of Warcraft and that was a, uh, 12 hour stint a day. Deal. 12 hours a day. Yeah. Wow. Uh, when I tend to get obsessive about certain things, I will full commit to them and I will commit to them for, I mean, it could be two weeks or it could be two years. Mm -hmm. It could be anywhere. It's all over the board, but for, uh, World of Warcraft, um, usually my daily routine looked like waking up going out, taking care of some part of the yard, very smatteringly at first, depression napping sometimes, playing World of Warcraft with some, with a buddy of mine by the name of uh, P.W. Glade, and actually another buddy of mine who uh, I stole the name from actually, uh, her name was Jackie. <laughs> uh, she she was an incredibly exuberant person and I wanted to emulate her more, I think, whenever I chose that name in particular. Yeah, no, I played with them for a hot minute realized that they had their own lives and they were doing their own thing. So I'm like, well, shit, I want to see what this game's about because everybody's been playing it. And so I really got invested into uh, something called raiding in there. Y'all y'all ever hear about that in, mm. in those mm -hmm. games right there? It's basically where you get 20 people together and you try to orchestrate them to be able to kill these bosses. And if you can do it by before like the end of a week, like you have completed it, you are good to go. Okay, That's what our other friend was talking about yeah. yesterday. Yeah. It was the rating. That's what he was. So, yeah. and is that, and it's probably endless novelty in video games. I haven't really played since college. And that was like when the internet first became prevalent in video games, where you're actually playing against people online. I played like uh, Modern Warfare. That was like for me. But now it's like the games are probably pretty endless. It, um, I feel like they've gotten a lot shorter. I don't know about y'all, but thing is everybody's attention span has grown so short yeah but how where... are people playing 12 hours at a time then what's so stimulating about that so here here's the here's the thing that kind of keeps everything is that okay. it's not really so much the novelty of it anymore because don't get me wrong they still got to keep fresh content in there mm -hmm. but really what they've kind of now baited people with is a very kind of short uh, dopaminergic circuit which they put people on which is we're only going to put like this incredibly small drop chance on for this particular item on this dungeon, which would give you a massive power boost and allow you to keep playing this game at optimal like for, or at mm. optimal efficiency. Spend the next three months trying to gather this and do the exact same thing over and over and over until you do it. In fact, it's gotten so bad to the point where last I heard, which was what, three or so years ago? Yeah, wow, only three. Jesus. Time flies. 
fucking sure. <laughs> oh, fucking Koenig. <laughs> that there were uh, people who do this professionally and get money from sponsors out on Twitch. Um, every time, like, you can tune into one right now. I guarantee you uh, all of them in some way or another look absolutely done with it. They are done. They hate the game. They hate everything just about, like, what they are playing, essentially. And even then, the people who kind of like it are very apologetic about the game in general. And so that's not a good sign for a game, just in general. It's like, I, I keep going out and I keep trying to get this item and I keep trying to do this, but it's not satisfying anymore. Yeah, what was the, sorry, what was the question? No, that, that was it. That was, I was just very curious about, so you were gaming a lot, it, you know, and then you- 12 hours a day. 12 hours a day. Not every yeah. day, probably, but for three years, you played a heavy amount cool. of video games. No, so it was cool. every day. It's just about it. Yeah, mm. just about every day. No, just, that's cool. Hey, I like the honesty, man. Oh, yeah. This, yeah, is, no. this is what we're trying to, again, it's not, we're not trying to solve anything. It's just interesting. We're all kind of walking through life together, yeah. experiencing very similar things. And again, very technology driven, just- mm. Again, if you didn't have World of Warcraft, what do you think you would have done? Oh, red. Let's say the internet just went down and there's and there's no <laughs> electronics, but you were still in Katy, Texas. I'm not gonna lie. Uh, at that time, I also heavily contemplated suicide. Mm. So, frankly, if I didn't have something to direct my mind at a given point, mm -hmm. I, I I have given it thought, and I would be genuinely terrified to actually like. Well, I'm not terrified to admit it, but overall, like. Lived with depression for 22 or so years, even still dealing with it. I can't say that I'm fully out of it. 22 or so years, heavily at least. Yeah, no. If if I didn't have the ability to have some level of anonymous connection with other people, I I would have probably offed myself. I would have I would have probably truly offed myself. So playing the games made you feel something. It was an escape for you. It was an absolute escape from your own mind. Mm -hmm. mm. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, it was very much something that it wasn't even the game that did it. It was like some of the, like the novelty of like learning a character and like learning how to play and whatnot. Like that was great for a time, but that faded very quickly. Um, because I'd been playing video games all my life by that point. So every game just kind of becomes the same after a while. The novelty of it was truly having 20 different people and then conducting 20 people to do like a very particular job. And that made your brain fire into overdrive. You had to make sure that you were like on top of it. And almost uh, in almost immediately, the funny thing is that along with just kind of wanting to like having a goal in my life, which was really, I, I mean, I'm still a little bit aimless, but having just a goal, which was get an achievement in this game because wow. people told me I was shit and that if I don't have this achievement, I can't mm -hmm. get their group. So what the fuck? Why not just try in a very low risk anonymous way to get this one little achievement, which is a little badge of honor, which will tell them, Hey, invite me to your fucking group. Stop gatekeeping or basically stop gatekeeping me. So I put groups together. I gathered 20 people. We'd run mostly ran. Yeah. Uh, all throughout the day. And I would wait for hours for people to join. But the thing is, is that because I had that goal and trying to figure that out, that benefited so many different parts of my life. And it all, it felt nearly overnight, the change, because I had the environment to change, but I didn't have any direction to move in. Mm -hmm. So essentially in that house, now that I was alone, I would wake up and I would go to it like a job. I would literally play 12 hours. And while doing that very first thing in the morning, wake up 6 a.m., or it would slowly start to change back to 6 a.m. because I was like, 
like my body feels like shit by the end of the 12th hour. I need to start, you know, moving it around. I need to get outside. I need fresh air. I need some kind of, I need to move my body. So it first looked like me just watering a couple of hibiscus plants, watching them grow overall, seeing their progress, doing that. Taking care of something. Taking care of something, truly. I mean, like truly taking care of something, just a plant in general does wonders for the mind. Mm. Because you just kind of get to see it do its thing. You you are it's a it's very again kind of low risk. You get to be like, all right, cool. Like I I get to kind of be on this journey with this living thing, and I get to see how it grows overall. And it'll tell me when I'm not doing a great job, mm-hmm. or it'll tell me what it needs roughly. Because then you know, as a plant parent, you freak out if you yeah. can see one brown leaf, and then you go on Wikipedia and you're like, what could this be? Am I underwatering it? Overwatering it? Is it getting enough sunlight? Right. Am I put it in the right place? Too much sunlight? Oh, those are the purple leaves. Oh my god. So in a sense, you had to put something above yourself, kind of, right? Yeah, something to actually take care of that was a, you put it above you because you didn't really. I'm just making just from what you're saying mm. you didn't really think of yourself in high regards because you were kind of down in the dumps right so you chose something to take care of to keep you going so put something above yourself yeah yeah i i, I can agree with that statement overall for a lot of people mm-hmm. weirdly enough for this particular case they were hibiscus plants my mom planted and she wanted grown <laughs> and uh, uh oh yeah no 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 they were they 100 percent were yeah uh but the thing is is that she was like Water them if you want, but like you don't have to do anything. So again, super low risk, incredibly low risk, incredibly low commitment. Mm-hmm. But overall, I just, I don't know. When I started to see them, like I just take literally, I do the lowest effort. I grab one of those lemonade pitchers right there, fill it up to the top with water, go outside real quick, dump it on it, call it good, walk right back inside. That's literally all I did. Okay. Yeah, taking care of outside plants a hell of a lot easier than inside plants. But yeah, over over time, it went from this scraggly kind of desiccated, decayed thing into a full like six foot bloom. Mm-hmm. Like it was a bushel. There were a shitload of flowers on it. Really proud moment. But that combined with the fact that I had this goal, trying to get this achievement and whatnot to try and, you know, play the game more. My life kind of kind of weirdly enough, yeah, just changed overnight. Started eating more because I was like, my brain feels like shit. I need to make sure that it's performing optimally in order for me to actually do this thing. So I started to cook chicken more often. I finally got really good at cooking chicken, weirdly enough, uh, just because of that. Started to wake up earlier and earlier at 6 a.m. until 6 a.m. Started to even incorporate workout. And it was mostly calisthenics and it was three different types of workouts. And that was it. It was push-ups. It was dips, which was off the, uh, like off a coffee mm-hmm. table. Mm-hmm. And it was squats. That was that was literally those three. And wait, and this was in Texas, correct? This was all in Texas. All in Texas. So, yeah. what made you move back up to Fort Collins? Oh well, funny enough, when I finally gave up full, like wholeheartedly, on finding a job in tech, about a year later, my buddy, uh, best friend in the world, love this guy to death. He is truly. I actually, I, I do owe him entirely for my ability to be within the field of tech because. He, when I met him, he was working at McDonald's, but decided to get a certification in tech, uh, particularly for uh, IT, worked at IT for a bit, got out, started working for a startup. And he just looked at me, he called me up and he said, hey, uh, we're looking for a web developer. Are you interested? And I go, I know nothing about web dev. And he goes, sick, cool. You're going to have your interview at this time. Just be ready and whatnot. 
had the interview. The guy liked me, and I got my first job in tech literally because of Tyson. You've told me about him. And that was, so did you have to move to Fort Collins for that job? Yeah, no. Oh. Uh, yeah, I, I remember it. My mom was so proud of me. I was so proud of myself. But by that time, I'd completed everything I wanted to in that game, and I was looking for a new goal. So essentially, it was like, all right, cool. Like, get out of the house. Like, get out of the house. Just go do your thing uh, out in Fort Collins and see if you can make it. Yeah, that was that was kind of where that's kind of how I came back out to Fort Collins. So, but so then you you were on a computer a lot, obviously, for that job, web gotcha. development. Yeah. So, why did you? Because when I met you, you were working at the Stanley. So obviously, you left that job at some point and worked at the Stanley. So do tell. I want to know the transition. So that's a weird. That's a mm, that's a really weird transition. Because after I was let go because the startup was going under. Yeah, no startups. They they, yeah, uh, they fail sometimes. <laughs> it's a it's it's a give and take, or it's not a give or take. It's either it's a fifty fifty coin flip in my mind. If you join a startup, whether or not they make it. But after that, joined up. Uh, basically, was a contractor. Did some uh, work for another company that I did not very much care for uh, in particular, mostly due to structure. Also, the management was a little bit uh, nutty. Definitely had to play uh, essentially a therapist to my own boss, mm. uh, weirdly enough, a lot. And after I got sick of that and lost my job uh, there because I literally was like, I was like, nope, I'm not doing this anymore. I just kind of floated for a bit on savings. And my, yeah, no, I had a girlfriend at the time, broke up around COVID, to which then I started working at the coffee shop that I always went to as a prep cook oddly enough yeah kind of a weird pipe so one. you worked we went back to alley cat and yeah. started working okay yeah. and mostly because then... i was like they're good people here i want to work here and not only that it's very physical in comparison to all the other work that i've done let's try it out and see what's going to happen mm-hmm. turned out i really loved prep cooking did it for nearly a whole year and then when the uh, manager there that was uh, current or was on staff got fired, I wanted to see if I could try my hand at managing as well. Mostly because, again, I was like, they're good people here. These are great people. Uh, I'd like to do as much as I can for them. Was a manager. Found out I'm a terrible manager overall. <laughs> Lasted about eight months there. Uh, kind of got shafted in the end, though. The son of a bitch. <laughs> you can't really give people too much of an inch a lot of the time. Because uh, they'll call out sick all the time. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I get why they call out sick all the time. And that is, they are sick of working in the service industry. Oh, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah. That's, that's not a good a, game. That's a tough one. Um, and then, so how did you get the job at the stand? <laughs> so literally, <laughs> a couple of weeks before I uh, I got fired there, I, uh, I was talking to a buddy of mine down in the smoke lounge that exists right underneath the coffee shop by the name of Algiers. And a great guy, his name is Carl. We were talking one day and we just got into some uh, conversation, but he just said, yeah, uh, you looking for like, it's like, what is it? I said like, yeah, I'm not feeling good about this job. I don't know if I'm going to stay for too long. And he's like, hey, if you want, I work at the Stanley Hotel. And I just went, the Stanley Hotel, you mean that that one from The the Shining? And he goes, yeah. And I said, I thought that was up in Maine or something like that. (laughs) And he goes, no, dude, it's in Estes Park an hour away. And I just went... Are you are you fucking kidding me? Like Stephen the Stephen King Hotel is literally an hour away from me right now, and I had no idea. Absolutely love 
uh, anything uh, Stephen King. But he said, yeah. And immediately after I got fired, five minutes after, I remember being the most pissed off I had been in a while and immediately called my friend up. And he said, yeah, cool. You got an interview. Like, just show up at this time. Yeah, yeah no, really saved my ass right there. I think it was also saved my relationship with the alley cat in general, mostly because I was so pissed that I had no idea what to do and I was looking to take my frustration out, but got that interview and I was like, well, I got to deal with all that shit now and I'm kind of scot-free. So yeah. I'll see you guys in a couple of weeks. So, I mean, you've had a job where you were on a computer all the time, then you were a manager at a coffee shop and mm-hmm. then you did tour ghost tours at the Stanley, which again, yep. you're not, you're not using technology at all. No. I mean, you're literally telling a story as you walk through, very present with someone. I mean, you're you're very multifaceted. And again, how would you say now? And now you're back to tech. I mean, you're literally work on a computer. What forty hours a week, fifty hours a week, right now? Yeah. <laughs> no. I wish. Uh, I clock myself anywhere from thirty to fifty, mostly because I still do volunteer work uh, at the cat, and I make it sound like a charity. It's not. They just allow me behind the bar, and I'll help them out. <laughs> That's really they, they let me work for free, essentially. Uh, they let me work for the cups of coffee and a uh, bowl of granola uh, and yogurt probably a day right there. They're but getting yeah. a pretty good gig. Labor is expensive now. It's, oh God, it's so bad. It's so bad. Especially for the fact that coffee is, what, three twenty three, And with the rate of coffee that I drink, I'd probably be spending about $20 a day on that stuff. Jeez. Yeah, no, it's not good. It's really not good. Yeah, man, you are drinking too much coffee. Yeah. Uh, you know, we'll, we'll talk about that. We're in a whole world that's drinking too much fucking coffee. Yeah. But I so, mean, yeah, because you're working at the alley cat most of the time. You're like bringing your laptop down there. Oh, God. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And it's it's incredibly dangerous because for literally the entire time I've been living here this stint, I live 30 second walk away from that very same coffee shop. So it's the easiest thing. And it's routine essentially to get up and feel the urge to immediately go, I need to get out of the house. Where do I go? I want to go to the alley cat. And never deviate from course. Right, you can hit that that Chiba Hut that's over here, that Chipotle. Uh, it's so good. But pickle in a barrel is over there, right? Pickle barrel pickle just barrel. opened back yep. up. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Oh god, it's good. Yeah, shout out to Pickle Barrel, Ricky. Uh, no, <laughs> but yeah, no, it's just incredibly accessible. And yeah, I just find myself working there literally every day. And so I will do. No, go ahead. No. I was just saying, would you consider it a career? I mean, is it, this is what you went to school for? You know, you're making good money. You're there's probably room to get promotions. I'm not in computer oh. science, obviously, but absolutely, you know. So, or you could pivot to another company. So it's it feels more like a probably career than the Stanley, even though maybe working on a computer that many hours a day isn't your favorite. You know, it's still, you know, it feels good. I mean, I'm gonna circle back to something you said, mm-hmm. and that's where you said aimless, and so. You're working now, uh, obviously with your degree. You know that when you said that, that really hit me. Of what do you see for the future for yourself? Mm-hmm. Can you envision Jackie at forty, Jackie at fifty? You know, because it's no longer like have a family, get married, have a family. It's like we have so much autonomy now. You could travel the world. You could literally do your job in any other country mm-hmm. and just travel, have fun. Or you could literally freaking go back till the olden days, move to Salt Lake and get a mormon wife and do just, not yeah. move to fucking salt or lake. go to like ohio and there are a bunch of amish people there or something you know? not <laughs> move to fucking salt lake what do you got to get salt lake we'll talk about that another time <laughs> oh, okay okay, okay. <laughs> so uh, <laughs> no it's a it's an interesting question cuz Devonte asked me that last week mm. and i didn't i have more of a picture of it now that we since we started this podcast i didn't have a picture 
I would say aimless would be an understatement for me. I would say a lot of people are in that same category of yeah. an aimless mentality. Mm-hmm. Oh, God, yeah. In fact, it's it's been described to me very well. Another guy, I, I definitely uh, dip uh, heavily into the self-help here. Um, but there's a guy uh, by the name of Dr. K, and Dr. K, uh, he put it very succinctly. He said, our parents... They basically got to roll on uh, railroad tracks right there. They had exactly an ABC of how to do life right mm-hmm. there. At this point, uh, the railroad tracks have basically deteriorated. We're on ATVs at this point. We're rolling <laughs> around. It's rough, and we don't really know where exactly the destination is. Mm-hmm. I think that's massively true for a lot of people out there. Um, I think most of our generation. I'd oh, argue almost everyone, honestly. Absolutely. I would I would agree <laughs> that most people are rolling around on <laughs> ATVs. Yeah. No, rolling around on an ATV. Right? And they they just have no thought. I'm they're just my ATV yeah, to the moon. Let's I know your ass has <laughs> But they're just they're just going right now. But I would like to believe that somebody has a, a final destination in their mind while they're on these ATVs at some point. You know, I've I've tried to figure that point particular mm-hmm. um not just for myself but just i thought about like a lot of people in my life that are close to me in particular and i'm like where the hell is everybody gonna end up like because you know it in the precarious state that a lot of people are in it's like like life could go absolutely amazingly for you you could end up like on top of the world like you could get exactly what you want you could or you could just like truly enjoy life at the same time though it's like some people like from just the the level that they're going it's like or some people could literally get trapped in this one rut where they just don't get out of it literally for the rest of their life and then they end up dead it's fear yeah it's fear that traps you there yeah no the kind of uh fear that just kind of gets rid of the options that Mm -hmm. you don't think you have Mm -hmm. and then also the one where it just kind of takes you in a nosedive where it's like oh, this person decided to essentially live their life to the absolute extreme. They were rolling around 120 miles an hour on their motorcycle, died next day because they were looking essentially for the thrill right mm-hmm. there. Like a lot of my friends I look at and I'm like, y'all, everybody is so mercurial nowadays because they don't have a destination that <laughs> they could end up entirely different the next day don't get me wrong people are people and they they kind of act in patterns and you can expect certain things from them but i don't think it's i don't think it's a set in stone as 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 it sometimes appears to be mm-hmm. and that scares the shit out of me a little bit so do you have a vision of what you want your future life to look like fuck no no <laughs> fuck no are you kidding me even at 30 years old i have no idea really what i want to do and it's part of the reason why i still go to therapy mm-hmm. well among other reasons but one of them is truly um, that existentially, I am an incredibly lost person. You're not alone. Yeah. You're not even got alone, my friend. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and yeah, no, we we definitely have a lot of camaraderie in this space, even though it feels incredibly isolating a lot of the time because we think that everybody else has got it figured out. Which well, is the, especially with the social media. Oh, that's like you look, biggest, you, yeah. you look around, you see everyone's else life. You you think <laughs> it's perfect, and you realize actually most people are like us through sitting here, just like oh fuck. Yeah, no. Well, I mean, the what difference. The I think the difference with us three and all of those other people. Mm-hmm. I make this as, a, as an assumption. Mm-hmm. Is that we're actually sitting here aware of it and talking about it, mm-hmm. right? I think that's the first step of all of us, like becoming better, envisioning at some point in time, envisioning a life that you actually see for yourself, which is what I posed the question to Eric. Mm-hmm. It was like, 
what do you envision for yourself? Try try to envision the life that you would like to have. Mm. And it's, it's tough. Mm. I'm I, I'm not gonna lie. I don't I don't actually think it's truly possible to envision that sometimes. Mostly because in a world where again, it's such a mercurial world. In fact, you've said it before too, in a world of endless choice, mm-hmm. how do you choose? Insanely fast rate of change. Mm-hmm. Things change faster than I mean, the internet, our smartphones have allowed communication and and choice and and change to happen at rates our primitive brains really can't handle. I mean, we're we're old wired computers, which is hilarious. That's kind of what we're going back to. I mean, it, it, the old hard wiring is really taking over, and it's very hard to control. You know, wire porn sites one of the most hev- like heavily viewed sites because there's nothing more stimulating than re- repro- replicating yourself, especially as a man. You know, and obviously as a female too, they're just going about it in a different way, getting attention online. You know, obviously OnlyFans, um, Snapchat, fucking dating apps. Oh yeah, everybody's brain chemistry is fucked up. Oh yeah, but you know, we're primitively we're still wired the way our ancestors were wired. Mm-hmm. You know, but you know, what did you know? One thing, so people really rail against religion today, and one thing religion did, as you know, we developed agriculture, it developed stability in our families because that's how the nuclear family came about and everything else where it's like okay you you go to church and this is our grandparents we're talking about you know that was we they went to church every sunday and i mean Mm -hmm. i went to church every sunday till i was about seven or eight you know then religion really kind of fell out of our life and i realize it's still in some people's lives but i would say the vast majority especially of educated people in the u.s you know it's gone out and you know i they get you know we're so heavily focused in science now but what people need to understand too is that again that stability created the world we have today that's why we have cars that's why we have running waters roof of you know roofs over our head you know it was no there's no aimless people really mm-hmm. walking around it was like you got oh, married no. you had the kid and that forced a man to create especially yeah. a man yeah. was like oh fuck like i better start creating they had to back then yeah nowadays to. it's i mean they yeah they definitely created this world of ease for us okay. which is crazy to think about that we have that's what they wanted right you think that they wanted to create a world that was easy for generations after them mm-hmm. <laughs> but it's really fucked us up mentally it has <laughs> yeah. which is it's absolutely in, it's absolutely insane <laughs> to think about that we live in an easier world than ever in human history ever oh ever yeah. in human history and we are mentally fucked up <laughs> well, I don't know about you two. I'm fine. Man. I'll fucking. No, we all no, are no, in our I own. Know, right. I know. I know. Right. Yeah. I'm, I'm super <laughs> fucked up. <laughs> Let's be real. We all are yeah. in our own right. <laughs> fucked up in some certain way. I know fucked up sounds so negative. No, it's, but I don't mean it in yeah. a negative way. We all have certain issues and things that we are battling mm-hmm. within ourselves. Absolutely. Um, I think that's that's why we're here. We're trying to figure it out. We. We're trying to figure it out for ourselves. We're on a better track now. Mm-hmm. And we're just trying to help other people figure it out for themselves as well. Yeah, that's beautiful. Just questions. That. That's, all, that's all we're posing here. Yeah. Just questions to help people think. And the visions mm-hmm. are something that worked for me. And I ask people to do it for themselves to see if it's something that could be viable for them. I'm not telling people to do it. Mm-hmm. But if you want to try it and see if thinking about a perfect scenario for you, the life that you actually want. <laughs> and that, post to Eric. Yeah. Yeah. Which I hadn't even thought about till we started doing this podcast, obviously. I mean, since we created it, I would say it's it's something that's still it it doesn't happen overnight. Mm-hmm. It it happens slowly. And it's cool to watch it happen because my actions, my behavior have actually improved and I actually have hope 
now. I actually can see something of like, oh, that'd be kind of a cool life to have. Not this doom and gloom. We're overpopulated. You know, this is just an absurd meat suit I'm wearing more or less. Just, you know, carbon bullshit. It's like, ah, well, there's people that care about you and there's more to life than just that. And, you know, this has really helped me orient that. And so it'd be cool for you. I mean, again, I think as we get people on here and people listening, it's, you know, little things that you can do in your life that it's like, okay, maybe if I cut back on X, Y, Z, you know, obviously we're less tech, um, and, and stuff like that, that maybe your life can actually orient, orient itself in a way where you wake up every day. Even if your life is hard, you wake up every day and you have hope and you actually mm-hmm. think like, oh man, when I'm 40, when I'm 50, when my parents are gone, I still will want to be alive. I, it's not this existential crisis. It's this, oh, I, I'm glad I'm here and I'm pulling some type of weight and mm-hmm. I'm doing something to either better my community, better myself. If I have a family, help them. You know, it's not go out and have a family. I'm not telling people to do that. It's you have to put something truly above yourself. And it's, I think that yep. is very difficult for people to do. That. It's no longer living aimlessly and having setting a goal. Mm-hmm. So the question for me that I have for you, Jackie, is you say that you're getting better now with your depression. What have you been doing? What are the steps you've been taking to actually become better? Well, this could help other people out as well. No. Right? What's your solution that's been working for you? No, 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 no. I say that I'm getting better with my depression, but frankly, um, to gauge oneself, especially with their track record of behavior, mm-hmm. uh, one would have to either very frequently journal, at least to me, or have a group of people or possibly even a like a dedicated person like a therapist which i always recommend mm-hmm. uh, for anybody who is struggling or just actually just in general i think that those are the ways in which somebody can see themselves improve the things that i think that has helped me improve though the most has got to be i think it's a weird combo between actually doing the things that are healthy for you and you know mm-hmm. good like sleep and food but also, frankly, there's a strong belief within me that you have to reach a certain point in your life before you are willing to take on those particular kind of those habits. Because for me in particular, I had parents who were very forceful being like, you need to go to bed on this time. You need to eat this kind of food. You need to do this. You need to do this. To the point where I rebelled so hard. I didn't give that up until I was roughly, what, 22, 23? Mm-hmm. Where then I was like, damn, my, my body feels like shit. I got to eat something good. I have to do this now. Rather than just being like, I'm going to have my dessert before dinner finally. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Or I'm going to stay up until 3 a.m. basically. Which the kid in me absolutely loved at the time. But my body absolutely abhorred. So in a weird way, it's like you can draw a horse to water, but you can't make it drink. But I think just giving people the space and the time that they need to be able to arrive to those conclusions is by and far the one thing that helped me kind of get out of my depression mm-hmm. and it takes a lot longer than you think but it happens a lot sooner than you'd hope but yeah that's like the that's to me like the first key element like getting somebody to be willing to actually do that or just giving them the space to be willing to right there most key key thing for me then uh, on top of that it was kind of your generic old list you know get good sleep you know eat sleep but more than that Try to take care of all parts of yourself in some way. But that is a monumental task. Mm -hmm. It was insanely monumental for me when I was first starting out. I mean, when I'd gone through a a breakup over COVID, um, I was probably, that was probably the most emotionally messed up I have ever been in my life. So dipping back down in depression right there, trying to build that back up, like Mm -hmm. 
eating was fucking hard. Getting to sleep on time was absolutely like difficult. I thought I'd made progress at the age of 27. Turns out though, you know, you take a, a big enough emotional break right there and it just kind of sends you spiraling back a little bit, but to kind of regain all that, asserting one's agency in their own life, specifically ownership over their own life in the way of not being like, I'm going to be responsible for all this, but go, I can do anything I so wish. And I can basically, I can move through the world in the way I want to, mm. um, without fear of uh, being, you know, rebuffed or being neglected or being overall shunned mm. was probably the thing that brought me out of it to where I was able to start to eat again. And I was able to start to sleep and I was able to do all this stuff. So you became self-aware, would you say? Yeah. You became more self-aware. I became, I don't know if I fully came online yet, but I can I can say that I admitted that I really needed help at certain points mm -hmm. in my life. My self-awareness. Yeah, very much. And I tried to seek that help in any possible way that I could to the point where I was able to then able, or I was, I'm not saying this quite, quite right. What helped me out of depression was not really immediately going to be the eating, the sleeping or anything like that. It was more being able to take care of the part of myself that needed the help the most mm -hmm. is probably the simplest and best way I can put it right there. And for that, it did require a lot of self-awareness for me, particularly it looked like emotional care right there, which means I was out of a job at the time. Basically I was like, cool. What am I doing today? It's like, I'm writing in my book and I'm going to write whatever I want. I'm going to write fuck for three pages. Mm -hmm. I'm going to fucking scream uh, into my pillow. I'm going to go outside and walk around, uh, particularly at one of the gardens, which thankfully I was one of the only ones who ever knew about at CSU. So I was just completely just there being able to smoke cigarettes and write all day long and be able to, what was that? I walked around in only shorts during that time. And I was able to basically do anything that emotionally I had an urge for at that time. And when I was able to take care of that part of myself, then the physical stuff of, you know, sleep, food, getting on a routine really started to have an effect mm -hmm. after that. Yeah. I feel like I kind of was crossing like about a million different plates right there. Uh, <laughs> yeah. No, I uh, like to eat, serve it up, serve it. Yeah. <laughs> 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 self-awareness self-awareness very much so if if i didn't listen to myself even slightly i would i would not be better mm -hmm. I, I can definitely say that how do you feel after this how do you feel right now oh great i anytime i get to talk to people and we actually just get to talk about something that matters in particular I always feel amazing after that. Dear God, that that is that is one of the greatest selves. Well, you started a men's group. It was you, right? Yeah. Well, oh. it wasn't specifically me. Mm -hmm. So it was four of us. And my good buddy, uh, Jacob Monroe, he came back into town uh, after being in Austin for so long. He got a therapist and they said, hey, there's a book that we should read called No More New Mr. Nice Guy. It's like, don't know if you're interested in that. And I looked at him and I said, Jacob, I have two other guys and we've been talking on the porch on starting up a group where we could talk mm -hmm. about this. Why don't we just do this next Wednesday? And then he said, yeah, let's do it. And it was very haphazard and it was just kind of like, uh, oh, four buddies getting together. But it 
kind of from that just evolved into like a consistently like week-long thing we still don't have that many members it's about what now it's back down to four the highest we've ever had the cap at is roughly five right there <laughs> and we check in and we try to tell each other as vulnerable um as we can any given week as as the, the kind of things that rock our worlds mm-hmm. or cause us pain and we just try to ask for help from one another so how do people join this group this group in particular yeah. um so uh, the the men support group that i have running the the way that people have joined it in the past is literally one of our members knows a guy and they go like hey like i think this guy could use some help right here you guys like what do you guys think and then we'll just kind of talk about it at the group and we'll be like yeah we're looking for a new member here like let's bring him on we'll just get a vibe for him see if you know it's something that we can handle because we are not healthcare professionals either right, we are right. a bunch of guys that meet every week so for some guys we like we straight up we do not have the tools to be able to help somebody like right, right, right. Uh, that is just way out of our depth or maybe uh doesn't really connect with the group that well mm-hmm. uh, that's the whole point of the group is just really to connect with other men I think a lot more people would feel more comfortable doing that than actually talking to a professional sometimes. Oh, God. I think it'd be more, I mean, it could be just as beneficial, if not more beneficial. I know doing this has been more yeah, beneficial absolutely. Than for me personally, absolutely. and I've used therapists before. And I was looking at going to therapy not too long ago, and then we started this, and this has been way better. No, no kidding. Mm-hmm. You know, it's everything, but everyone's every, solution's yeah. different for yep. them, yeah. Oh, absolutely. But yeah, the, I need a combo yeah. of the two right there. So. I mean, the fact that, that <laughs> most therapists are literally booked right now. No, it's it's true. I it's know. I mean, they're booked. They're all booked. I mean, it's phenomenal. No, yeah. So every, every time I hit my therapist up and I'm like, hey, when you got a free session next? And he goes, well, you didn't schedule with me last session, which was a day ago. So uh, have it a month from now. And I'll just be <laughs> yeah. like, holy crap. Uh, and yeah. I'm just, it's, it's kind of a testament to truly like. What we're all going through. Man. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, seriously, it, it it really is. Ancestors created the easiest world, and we are the most mentally fucked up. Yeah. Here's the thing, though. <laughs> this is actually something I genuinely believe, and this is just kind of like a like a weird abstract thought overall. Mm-hmm. But I, I I don't think struggle has gotten any easier. I also, in some way, don't believe it's gotten any worse in no, particular. It's, it's the same. I think we've always struggled. We're just struggling in a different way now. Yeah, absolutely. Right? And the thing is, is that like compared to like generations past, we were, I think the most important thing was literally the method of teaching. Because if you could teach somebody to be like, hey, these are the struggles that are going to come up in life and this is how you handle them. Mm-hmm. Then they can go, sweet. These are the struggles that come in life. I have enough of a community backing to be able to learn this stuff and be able to handle it with the community here. Like this now is much more manageable. It's still the same amount of suffering. Mm-hmm. It's just a much more manageable level of suffering. To where now today we have an entirely different world than our parents or their parents had. Completely have, different. Mm-hmm. Which nobody has the book on. Nobody has no. any written anything. Yeah. Um, That's us. We're writing, mm-hmm. we're trying to write the book, but there's gonna be other things that like we're just not gonna know. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no. I feel like the world's gonna accelerate so fast that well, writing a the book. The rate of change is oh, insane. God. Yeah. If we this just look crazy. back twenty years ago, how much different it was then in comparison to now. It's absurd. Almost. Oh my gosh. I mean, just even the the people that reach out to me or um, just people I know in my life, you know, that will literally talk about like, damn, like dating apps, like swiping on girls, Mm. like guys being like, oh, shit, I wish I had. And these are guys, I mean, in their 40s and 50s that didn't, you know, they had to actually go up and talk to a girl. There was no other solution. that's, That's one generation ahead of us. And they're just like, damn, like swiping on girls. 
I mean, that's fucking, they're all like, that's amazing. Especially like from our priority, like as a male, like that's just everything in our DNA is like duplicate with as many women as possible. That's why girls wear the stuff they wear. That's why we're always looking around. And like, you're able to do that without facing rejection now. It's mind blowing to just a generation ahead of us, 10, 20 years, which is nothing in the grand scheme of time. It's not even a blink since this planet's been here, not even a blink. And it's literally shifting society. In it's insane, but then you again you throw in a bunch of other factors too. It's not just that; it's it's just absolutely insane. I mean, <laughs> yeah, no. I, I mean, if you really think about it, it's it's remarkable because we're all kind of go, we're all going through it. All we're all going us. through. We're something. all very different, way different lives. Mm-hmm. Like growing up in different places oh, with different parents. All three completely different lives. Oh yeah, and and we're still all struggling with something. Yeah. Yeah, no, it never gets easier, which is true about life. But our capacity to be able to handle it, that's what we're really looking for. That's what point. we're looking for. Yep. Yeah. Are we okay with how things are going? How how do we deal with the things the way they are going? Yeah. Mm-hmm. How do we deal with ourselves? I was about to say, yeah, yeah. Most importantly, I think even before all the other stuff, it's like, how am I doing with myself? Like <laughs> I think that's a yeah, I think that's a question most people forget to ask. Yeah. Yeah, it is. Because people nowadays I mean, hell, they even back in the days, but you know, generational trauma as a way of shouting up like the next mm-hmm. generation down is that like our parents were hard on themselves. We are hard on ourselves and we keep getting harder on ourselves too, to the point where that compounded with literally like a fear, like a, a, just the fear cycle of hearing about everything that's happening within the world all at once. <laughs> like, oh, there's a bombing here. There's like literally kidnappings over here. There's all this different, like all this negative stuff consistently and constantly happening. That's all they show us though. Yeah. The world's not the world's not nearly as bad. It's the as safest they it's like ever been. To portray it's the safest it. it's ever been in human history. And yeah. I would like whole, to think though, too it's wild, isn't it? I would like to think that if our parents actually took the steps of doing something similar to this like going around talking about their problems maybe going to see therapists maybe we wouldn't have any type of issues or people out there wouldn't have the issues that they have Um, maybe that's us trying to cut that out now so we don't pass it on Mm -hmm. to them don't know we haven't seen the future yet but (laughs) i think a lot of people here now are taking a lot of proper steps and this is a safe space here at the podcast so that's kind of what we open our doors to is just people coming in just telling us their stories and being open and safe with it nobody's here judging anybody we all got our own issues but you're not a a person who's alone in the world that's what it is y'all make me feel a lot more i don't know it feels like i whenever i started talking to eric and now that i'm talking to you Devante, Mm -hmm. um like kind of feels very much like we're just we we kind of get to step through it together. Mm-hmm. That, that is a that is a very calming feeling to mm-hmm. know that somebody gets to walk through the shit with you. So, mm-hmm. so hand in hand, we're shit kickers, yeah, baby. Absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but you, you were talking about aimless earlier, though. I'm kind of kind of uh, was kind of curious about what question you had, particularly about that. Well, no, just that that's where you said you felt aimless, and so I wanted to. I was just asking about why you felt that way. Uh, and you answered it i mean i think that was very good yeah yeah so just more i think that's a lot of people and just that you brought that up i think we're you know you are our first person we're interviewed interviewing outside of ourselves and you know as we continue to have people on here men and women i i don't think too many people are going to have answers far from that no again whether they're married single 
divorced with kids without kids it's a very common theme it seems for most people right now and it's almost easier again to numb yourself with some technological something you know whether it's tiktok or video games or pornography or online dating i mean it's endless shopping is a big one you know Mm -hmm. i mean it's it literally is endless and you know for this amount of time we've even been talking we've stepped away no one's looked at a phone we've been very present with one another I don't know about you guys, but my brain is literally, it feels calm. Like I feel very calm right now. I know I don't need, I'm sure I could answer a work email right now. I'm sure someone's messaging me about something and it doesn't need to be answered right now. Mm-hmm. It's okay to just be present. It's like, yeah, they, they've allowed us to, you know, these, the phones in particular, but all of the communication methods we've, we've uh, allowed um, ourselves to have has made it again, incredibly efficient, but it's made the rate of change so fast Mm -hmm. in a time in in a brain that is not wired for it and we're all affected by it you know and it's how do we navigate this in a way where we can orient ourselves and not implode because this is going to be the generation i guarantee you that will if we don't do something about it the most people killing themselves hands down i don't think it's gonna be like necessarily i mean there'll be a small percentage will be shooting up stuff and misbehaving but i think it's gonna be mostly people ending their lives because when you have no aim why would you continue to live maybe just enough long enough to see the the loved ones you you don't want to hurt live yeah no (laughs) i i'm not gonna lie that was the that was actually one of the biggest reasons i stayed alive for the very longest time Mm -hmm. because and this is something that's not uncommon either but it's literally uh, i don't want to kill myself because uh my mom would be very sad (laughs) and that is surely that is the only line that oh there's so many people yeah i say that yeah Yeah. absolutely Yeah. Uh, yeah, I mean, I think maybe we've all been there. Oh, God. I had some point in time. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Definitely have. It's interesting to think about the technology, right? We've we've created something to actually make us more connected, but it's actually made us more disconnected than anything. Absolutely. Yeah. It's just because it's like junk food, too. It's just not <laughs> particularly greatest at all. No, but it's no. addictive. It is incredibly addictive. It's scientifically made that way, though. So it's capitalism. There's the most money that's ever been made because of technology. These are the wealthiest companies ever, really. Dear Lord. They tap into a very (laughs) old system. They tap into your your limbic system. Mm -hmm. I mean, that's the reptilian brain. Literally, it taps in and good luck trying to fight that. I mean, it, it takes, you can do it. I've done it. I'm doing it right now. The amount of discipline it takes is unprecedented. Because all I want to do is download Tinder right now and just Genghis Khan the shit out of this town. I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, no more of that. I don't know if he's kidding. <laughs> <laughs> this is, uh, all right. Oh, yeah. No, if, if I ever see you actually take that arc and uh, I, you're like, yeah, so uh, I can't come and train you today. I got a date here in about like five minutes. Anyways, uh, I got another buddy that you can go train with. Uh, keep up with me, by the way. And then see you out literally at the bar schmoozing with like four or five girls at a night. No, you won't see me that anymore. Those days are over. That was it. I do remember going out. And I think I invited you out. This is whenever I was going out like every fucking weekend. Like at the beginning when we first met? Oh, my. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And we were like going out. And I, I swear I invited you out. But I just remember getting to Trailhead. And I walked downstairs just to scope it out. And then fucking there Eric was talking to some lady. And I was like, 
I was out with Where other you, friends. Yeah, so. I was like, I thought you were coming with us. Yeah. He's already out, drunk, <laughs> smooching <laughs> something. That, uh, yeah, oh, I know exactly what you're playing shuffleboard. Playing with, shuffleboard with uh, yep. those girls. So. Yep. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Sounds like me. Oh, uh, I walked out. I said, "What the?" Fuck? I remember you walked by me and you had the biggest smile on your face. You're just shaking your head, and I just like smiled and winked at you. I was like, "Yep." That was the summer, man. Last summer. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, went. I think that could have been a moment of like pretty bad like depression for me was actually that time because mm-hmm. i was like going out every weekend mm-hmm. it was i was going out all the time too yeah Fuck. super super interesting and now i don't, I don't go out at all mm-hmm. and i feel way better Chris. growth yeah growth. <laughs> beautiful oh my god oh my god but yeah i'm glad i'm glad overall you came out of that stint like that what did that what did, what did the depression look like for you Delante? well my depression was definitely not as severe as other people's and i will never play it off to be that bad it's not about severity though well i i've always been that person that's like my situation is not as bad as other people's situation because it helps me understand where i'm at in my life but it was just like i was with i was in a relationship that i didn't want to be in and i knew it but i was like dragging it along and i felt bad for her because our time was coming to an end and i feel like i was just completely wasting her time and I just kept beating myself up and I kept thinking that I was like my dad. That's where it was coming from. I was like, man, I'm just like, I'm my dad all over again. And I don't want to be that. And so like I was doing, in my mind, I was doing almost everything that he was doing, except I wasn't physically harming anybody. But in my mind, I was like, man, she deserves better than this. And I'm treating her like this and I need to let her go. But I, I just can't. I don't know why, but I just got, kept holding on to her. Even though I knew I was like, I, I'm not in this. I'm not treating her the way. I usually treat a woman and I just, I was beating myself up because I constantly thought I was my dad mm. the entire time. Even when I broke up with her, I was like, this has got to end because I'm just treating you as if I am my father. And that's, you know me and that's not who I want to be at all. So like this has to end for for you to go out and find a better man for you and live a better life. And then for me to figure my shit out and not be him in the long run. So that made me just like go down. I was partying all the time. I was playing video games. It's actually crazy. I was playing shit ton of video games mm-hmm. every day. I would get off of work if I wasn't working a midnight shift, go in my room, play video games. And I would be annoyed by my girlfriend. Yeah. I was like, this is not good. This is not good. I was not in a good place. So I would go out and hang out with friends and not do anything with her at all. Like I remember... The only time we ever went out out in Fort Collins, not too long after that, I broke up with her. Like, I didn't even feel like it, I was, like, comfortable with her there because I knew I wasn't a good person, so. Very bad, but this wasn't about me. <laughs> no, 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 no. Uh, Yeah, but, but it seems like you kind of gained, uh, what's the key word again? Self-awareness. Self-awareness. Yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, that, that's exactly what it was throughout that whole stuff. Like, I knew, like, I wasn't my father, but I was acting like him. And I knew I was treating, I just like envisioned my mother, right? Like, how would I want my mother to be treated? How I wish she was treated. And I'm not treating this girl that I'm with as if I, as my mom should have been treated, right? And that was destroying me. But I was very aware that I was not doing the right thing. Very aware of that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. That's cool. Yes. Any final thoughts? Mm. Mm. Any final thoughts? 
I'd say that um, anybody who is looking for help or it feels like everybody is too busy to help them, I'll, I'll say it once and I'll say it a million more times, search as hard as you can for one person that you think will give you the time of day to just listen to you. And if you can't, don't get too down on yourself. There's always tomorrow. If you need to seek help, please do so because there are a lot of incredibly beautiful people out there that are willing to listen and willing to be by your side. That's it. That's awesome, man. Hey, really appreciate you coming on. Yeah, absolutely. I really enjoyed it. I hope people get a kick out of it. Anyway. Yeah.